I said to my mum about three weeks later, okay, so the kids really coped with um, Florida. I think we're going to book a holiday to Rwanda next year. Um, I think my mum nearly fell off her chair. It was a bit like, I'm not sure I see the link between those two things, Karen. And, uh, and, I, and I get that. But I think the point being for me was that if the children can cope with what people might think is a traditional kind of holiday with kids, then I think they can actually cope with things that aren't potentially seen as that traditional. You're listening to Karen from the blog Mini Travellers, a mum of three who's proving that family travel to Africa should definitely be on your list. Kidventures, where will your next trip take you? Hi, this is Ting from My Travel Monkey. And Kathy from Mummy Travels. And you're listening to Kidventures, the family travel podcast. Today we're talking to Karen from the blog Mini Travellers. Mum to three girls, Karen came up with the blog during a holiday in Greece. And it's since grown to be one of the most popular family travel blogs in the UK. But as well as trips around Europe and the US, not to mention reviews galore from across the UK on the blog, Karen and her family have also ventured off the beaten track on several trips to Africa. It's a country we'd both love to explore more, and not always one which tops most people's family travel wish lists. So, as well as her tips for visiting, here's why it really, really should. So Karen, tell us a little bit about your blog. Uh, My blog, Mini Travellers, is very nearly five years old now. I started it on a sunbed whilst on holiday. I had discovered a place in uh, Greece that had some brilliant childcare and was a really nice place to go for the three um, children that I had at the time who were four and three. And sorry, I have twins. I have identical twin girls. So I have uh, 13 months between the two um, pregnancies. So that was very exciting. So Mini Travellers, it was set up to give people lots of hints and tips about travelling with children and how possible it is and can be, but also to sort of try and share examples of good places and bad places that you can go and visit with your children. What we're kind of most interested in is your two recent trips to Africa, really, because it's definitely a place that I would say, and you can agree with me, that people probably wouldn't necessarily think, oh, I'm going to take young children there. Yeah. You first went to Rwanda and Malawi, and then you've just got back from Tanzania, haven't you? That's right, I have. Very yeah. lucky. So, do you want to tell us a bit about those and, and why you decided to go? Yeah, sure. So... I took the children when they were five and four to Florida and we did the whole um, Disney and the long, well, the flight and you have to deal with the jet lag and they're really long and tiring days. We had a lot of fun, but also the kids were really, really resilient and actually really thrived on it and really enjoyed it. And we came back from Florida and um, I said to my mum about three weeks later, Okay, so the kids really coped with um, Florida. I think we're going to book a holiday to Rwanda next year. Um, I think my mum nearly fell off her chair. It was a bit like, I'm not sure I see the link between those two things, Karen. And, uh, and And I get that. But I think the point being for me was that if the children can cope with what people might think is a traditional kind of holiday with kids, then I think they can actually cope with things that aren't potentially seen as that traditional and Africa has a place in 
both of mine and my husband's hearts. We both traveled there separately quite a bit before we got together. But Matt actually grew up in Africa. So he grew up, he spent the first eight years of his life in Zambia because his dad was a missionary out there. So he definitely has it in his soul, I would say. And he had been to Rwanda um, around his 40th birthday. And we both support a charity out there called Friends of Rwandan Rugby who teach rugby to thousands of uh, children across Rwanda. Rugby is a post-genocide sport out there, so there's no kind of tribal allegiances as part of it. And it's just a really nice new sport for them, which is developing. And they teach it to lots of boys, but lots and lots of girls too. So Matt had been out and done a a rugby tour uh, for a week in Rwanda a few years before, so he knew how safe it was and how kind people were and how the place how it all worked and so what we you know we talked about him going back and then in the end we decided that actually no we would all go and so we'd all go and do the rugby tour for a week and then whilst we were there we would stay for an extra week and we'd travel around and and see some of the country and I think actually I actually thought I think before we did the first trip I think I thought it was probably going to be quite hard and that it may end up being I call it from time to time a bit of a vanity project for Matt and I. So something that we really wanted to do and not something that I necessarily truly believed that the kids would love. Yeah, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> yeah. But actually, they loved it and they had the best two weeks. And we as a family had an amazing trip. We absolutely loved it. So much so that we came back and thought, right, we're going to try if we can and do a proper adventure holiday every year. So something that kind of pushes our boundaries a bit, something that's not the status quo. And it doesn't have to be Africa, but we do love Africa. And yeah, that's where our resolve came to do the Malawi trip last year and the Tanzania trip this year. I think if the kids hadn't loved it so much, we wouldn't have been able to repeat quite so so often. Yeah, I wonder with Africa as well, if it's something that parents if they don't have their own experiences of it so for example a lot of people traveling now with their kids will have been to southeast asia they'll have been to south america to latin america to some of the places which you might think of as a bit off the beaten track but you're not then working from it from a position of no knowledge you've been and of course it's different years on it's different with kids whereas perhaps fewer people have been to africa so you're looking at it and thinking, well, I'd like to go, but I don't really know what it's going to be like. And I'm taking my young yeah. children there. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's exactly the point. And I think Matt and I have both had our own experiences anyway. And as a result of those experiences, we were comfortable and happy to do it. And yeah. and actually, I think, you know, if you look at the three places we've been, actually, the three places we've been in Africa probably have a safer at the moment safety records than France does, for example, yeah, yeah. You know, or London. So it was quite interesting. We were flying out of Manchester to Rwanda in 2017, it was. And we actually flew out of Manchester the week after the Ariana Grande bombing. Oh, yeah. Um, people were saying to me all the time, oh, stay safe when you go to Rwanda, won't you? And I was actually like, you haven't looked at any of this because it's actually more dangerous to fly out of Manchester Airport at the moment than to go anywhere else I'm going on this yeah. trip. Yeah. Um, we're on high alert here in the UK, you know, at the time. And uh, yet, uh, yet obviously everyone was worried about my Rwanda trip. So I think people 
have a perception and they don't necessarily look past it. No. I mean, I had that, um, the same, Karen, when I went to South Africa. Yeah. So many people said to me, but it's so dangerous out there. There's carjackings. And, you know, you're going to take your youngest, you know, my youngest was a baby at the port that time. Yes, there, of course, there are always dangerous parts of travel where, you know, in, in some destinations more than others. But it's about having common sense, isn't it? And, yes. and having your wits about you and not going anywhere too yeah. off the beaten track or dangerous. You know, obviously we were told never, don't really drive at night. Obviously don't go into townships on your yeah. own. And obviously I wouldn't have done all that stuff. But yeah, I think people make a judgment, don't they? Because yeah. actually. But there's, there's parts of London that you wouldn't drive around at night and there's parts of London that you wouldn't go into on your own. So I think that exists where we live. Yeah. So what would you say to people who would like to go but are nervous? How would you convince them that actually these are amazing travel experiences to have as a family? Obviously, I'd say we'd start by watching my uh, videos. Um, (laughs) (laughs) By the way, listeners. (laughs) From which you can see exactly what we got up to, what it was like, that it's probably not as your perception might be about those countries, you know, certainly Rwanda and Malawi are significantly greener and less hot than I think most people might expect. You know, we kind of had quite nice spring weather, really, when we were in both of those countries. And, you know, there was times when we were a little bit hot, but kind of nothing, you know, it's nothing like Greece in the summer or anything like that. And certainly in those countries when we traveled. So, I also think choosing a really good tour operator that you're comfortable with and somebody that you're going to feel like has got your back if you need it. Do you um, think that's key, actually, Karen, if you're going to go somewhere like I suppose you've only got two weeks, say, to, to yeah. fit quite a lot of places in. I suppose you could organise it yourself, but kind of why would you if there are good enough tour operators to help you? Yeah, and I don't necessarily think those tour operators have to be UK-based either. Actually, when we were out in Rwanda, the lady who booked all of our, you know, our week exploring on our own was actually an Aussie who'd resettled in Rwanda and she lived in Kigali. But it was just that when I was emailing that person, that person understood my concerns and my questions. So when I was saying, how long is it going to take to get from this place to this place? She didn't give me a driving distance, which is what lots of people did. And I was saying, I don't want to know how many miles it is because I need to know how many hours that's going to take me to get there and whether there's somewhere to stop on the way. And she was incredibly helpful, incredibly informative, answered the questions. And even before I'd asked a lot of them in terms of the things that I might have been concerned about. And I think I was instantly more reassured about the trip once I'd found her to help book it. When we did Malawi, it was slightly different because it was organised with a PR company. But actually, they had chosen an operator that was a company called Responsible Safari, who were an amazing company. But again, based in Malawi, but actually, um, you know, so not booked in the UK, but actually just with a couple who were an amazing couple who knew, again, knew exactly what we needed to understand. So I think it is about that operator. I don't think it has to be an operator that is booked in the UK because a lot of the UK yeah. operators simply yeah. book the ex- <laughs> the operators out, out in Africa anyway. Yeah. 
But I do think it's about finding somebody that you're comfortable with and and going on the basis of someone else's recommendation. I don't think you can beat that. You know, I don't think you can beat doing a trip with a company that somebody else has used that, that they've been happy with. Yeah, absolutely. It makes such a difference when you feel they really know their stuff and also that they understand what it is you need, particularly with kids. Yeah. That you can't drive for six hours without a stop with a five year old. Yeah. You know? Or if you do, it will be memorable for all the wrong yeah. reasons. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I definitely think that's really important. But I also think it's just important just to talk to people, you know, and if you're thinking about doing a trip that's kind of a bit different, go in some of these Facebook groups that we, we have. All three of us have different pages where these questions can be asked and try and get some feedback from people about who, you know, who've done it and, and some tips, because actually there's definitely loads of ways to make it easier. You know, toys that you take, iPads, games, different things. You know, there's lots of, you know, I took food on our last trips. So one of the big things I took with me, I took almost half a suitcase full of snacks. Really? Because actually... If you're going to do a long journey and then that long journey takes a little bit longer, if you've got in your bag, you know, a bag of crisps and a this and a that and the other, which you can't just pick up in a shop in Africa because there isn't, you know, there aren't that sort of shops all over the place. If you have all that with you, you've got things to keep them going. We had situations where there was an amazing pat lunch, but they didn't really like anything that was in it. Yeah. And so actually I had loads of food. So that saves that meltdown, you know, that, yeah. that possible meltdown. Yeah. And if you bring it all home again or leave it with somebody when you come back, not then waste. it's, you know, it's not, it's not a waste. And um, I think the food and the snacks just really, you know, and the drinks um, at all points of the journey just really help that. So that, you know, on the last night when we were in Tanzania, the kids had just had enough. They really didn't want to go out for dinner and they needed to go to sleep. And I had three pot noodles left and that's what they had for their dinner. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's a really silly little thing, but it saved our kind of our exhaustion levels and our, you know, and they didn't want to go and sit in a restaurant and have dinner that evening. And it, it was a nice thing to do. And that's just about a bit of forward planning. Yeah, yeah definitely. I think that's what we're all learning yeah as we travel a lot with the kids absolutely that nobody is at their best when they're tired and hungry anyway no. so if you can take one of those things out of the equation you're already further ahead Hungriness yeah. is not a good Hangriness. thing no. <laughs> yeah. no. so that, I mean that I think that's a great tip is there anything else that uh, like a lesson you feel you learned from going or anything where you look back and think oh I wish I'd known that before I went or I'm glad I guess that might be an issue that's an interesting question. I think that, I mean, definitely food and activities are my, are our big thing. I always, on a long haul flight, I always take a massive picnic. Always. And always have done. And I was talking about this the other day on, uh, on something that I was writing. And so many people got in touch and said, I have no idea you could take food on a plane, not like a proper picnic. I thought that like they stopped you through security with that. And I was like, no, they only stop you with the drinks. You can take, you know, um, absolutely anything else that you want to do, really. I mean, there are certain countries where when you land, they won't let you take it in if you've got it in your hand luggage. But most of the time you can take things. I also think that the biggest thing that I've learned is that the kids have to be content and happy as as you do. And if they are, then everything else will be much more relaxed. So we are a lot more relaxed when we're traveling about um, chocolate or iPads or anything that's yeah. a treat. Chips. And chips seem to be chips. full diet. Chips, yeah, high carbs. They can eat vegetables when they're home. Yeah. 
And yeah, very much so. You know, I think we're very a lot more relaxed about that sort of parenting when we're away, even when we're in Tanzania this time. And we had had a bit of a rule that when we were on the main roads, um, that they could have their iPads. But when we got into the game parks, they couldn't. They had to put them away. But actually, we had one day where there's, you know, we were in a game park and there was like two hours where we weren't seeing anything. And you're driving around and they're trying, you're trying to find the animals. And as adults, you can kind of use the time to stare out the window and kind of, you know, dream into space and have a bit of me time. <laughs> yeah. But the kids just can't do that in the same way. And, and actually, if you want to keep them engaged and keep them enjoying it too, um, in the end, we just said, oh, you know what, kids, you know, if you want to watch your iPads whilst we're trying to find something. And then, you know, as soon as we do, we, you know, we had this bit like, right, oh, right, come on, down, put them away. <laughs> yeah. And we're straight up with their cameras and their binoculars and things like that. But if you're expecting a lot of them, then I think you have to be a bit more relaxed. What, so going back to Tanzania, because that was your most recent trip, what are the highlights for you there? Anything that springs to mind? Yes, I think one of our biggest highlights was an experience with a rather large male lion. So we, <laughs> so we were staying in, I think, possibly one of my favourite places I've ever stayed on any trip. We stayed in a place called the Serengeti Pioneer Camp in the middle of the Serengeti wow. in a remarkable tent, which wasn't, you know, calling it a tent isn't really. Um, <laughs> it just it. Yeah. But fundamentally, it was a tent in the middle of the Serengeti. And there's nothing around the camp at all. It's there in the middle of the Serengeti and the animals can come and go as they choose. So we, when you're going down for dinner in the evening, you have to radio your Maasai guide to come and get you to take you down to dinner. And we'd done this a few times uh, earlier in the trip. And that's, that was the rule at all the places we stayed. Sure. We went down for dinner and we had this beautiful dinner and I had a very, very nice evening. And we'd already decided we weren't going out that early the next morning because we'd had a long day the day before. So we sat around the campfire and with the kids and had a couple of drinks and told some ghost stories. Then we walked back to the tent with our guide and he zipped us in to our tent. And then he very quickly said, family, family, Simba, family, Simba. And he unzipped the tent. And less than 10 metres away from our tent was a huge male lion just standing there having a little roar. So I was like, (laughs) (laughs) just standing there in front of us. And I said to the guide, had you heard him? Because I think he must have been walking effectively very close to where we were walking. Yeah. from dinner alongside you mm. and he said mm, I wondered if I had heard something but I couldn't hear him over the sound of the children I said to him please for the next night that we're here you just tell my children to shut up yeah. <laughs> that's so we can hear lions prowling up behind us just yeah. so we can that would be great so then I had a funny conversation with the children about the fact that obviously male lions can't undo zips <laughs> So they went to bed fine. Matt and I obviously didn't go to bed fine. Yeah. We were lying there listening to the fact that it doesn't matter whether they can undo the zips. Obviously, it matters that they can just claw their way through the tent. All night we were hearing this lion roar, but it was an incredible experience. It was absolutely incredible. And as part of that same trip, we were in that 
same part of the Tanzania trip, we just drove down the road and saw 13 lions at the side of the road. We watched a lion kill a wildebeest, just kind of watch them track it. Um, yeah, we saw leopard. We saw th- nearly 30 different types of animal that day. We saw a cheetah and her baby cubs. We saw two lionesses and seven cubs. We were incredibly lucky with the amount of animals we saw and the variety in the Serengeti. And I think for all of us that those two days were exceptional. Great sounds. I like, I, like you said, I've got shivers up yeah. my spine. Yeah. And uh, my poor children had a school trip to uh, Chester Zoo on the week we <laughs> They were, they were delighted. So what does a lion in a cage? Apart from their new knowledge that lions can't undo zips, um, <laughs> what, what, what else do you think your girls have taken away from trips like this? You know, adventures. This isn't just a trip. This yeah, is, this is proper full-on adventure territory. Yeah. I mean, our Tanzania trip was definitely a much more luxury Africa trip. I think it probably our Tanzania trip was more of a traditional uh, safari Africa yeah. trip. I think from our Malawi trip and our Rwanda trip, what the children will or had certainly did get from it was much greater understanding about how people live in the world and what they do and how hard they work and what they have and what they don't have. And you know, we did a lot of work in schools in Rwanda when we um, when we first went out and spent a lot of time with the children. And I think what the kids were so surprised about in some ways was that they're very similar to them in lots of different ways. But yeah. they just, and as happy, they just don't have as much stuff. That was an interesting realisation for them, actually, I think. And we also had one particular experience where we stayed at a tea plantation. And we watched the guys uh, picking tea all day and they picked tea all day. And what they earn at the end of that day is a pound. Yes. And actually, of all the things that the children saw, that was one thing that really, really stuck with them because they understand the value of a pound. They know what they can buy for that. They know what it is. You know, you get a pound from the tooth fairy. But these people were working all day. Work, yeah. To earn a pound from dusk till dawn and yeah so I think they came away from that and actually it was interesting we went to a shop on the way back to the airport after we just after we'd left that plantation and they wouldn't have an, a, a, a lolly because the lollies cost a pound in the oh, shop oh. I was really proud of them at that moment yeah, obviously, obviously. It, obviously but you know there was definitely a realization and there is a realization we've had some very interesting conversations about Santa as a result of our trips yeah. to Africa and why doesn't Santa take presents to the children in Africa and various different things like that. So I think it's made them grow up yeah, quite yeah. a bit, actually, to and appreciate what we have and what people have. Yeah, well, that for me was the key thing when I went travelling as a youngster as well. Mm. I always remember seeing, you know, um, beggars on the street and people like that and wondering why or you know street sellers even yeah. you know at your window and why they were selling like little toys and trinkets mm-hmm. and things like that but it, it sticks in your mind and I think I think it's good for kids it broadens yeah. their horizons a little bit yeah definitely the suburban bubble you know of of life yeah yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, we do a real mixture of holidays. And I think it's really important, actually, because if all they're doing is seeing one type of holiday, then they, yeah. they may well think that that's what life is like. Yeah, 
Yeah. So where's next on your Africa bucket list, Karen? Do you know? I don't know. <laughs> I know. Absolutely. I'd love, I mean, Matt and I did Namibia before we had the kids and I absolutely loved Namibia. So I would like to go there. And we would both like to take the children back to Zambia because that's where Matt grew up. So those two places are definite on the list. But Zambia is a funny one because they do a lot of walking safaris in Zambia and a lot of the, you can't do a lot of them until they're 12. Uh, okay. So there is a, there is a debate really as to whether or not we should wait. But maybe Kenya, uh, maybe Namibia, maybe even South Africa. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I also, you know, I've also got big desire to do sort of Peru and Costa Rica and places like that. So yeah, me too. Yeah, but I love real, the real, real beauty with an Africa trip is that there's no jet lag because it's it, yeah. you're effectively whilst you've got your 12 hour flight or whatever you've got to do, yeah. um, as you'll know from South Africa, the time difference is only sort of one or two hours. So actually, that is, I mean, and that is win win. Yeah. Having having New York at Easter and, you know, really struggled with the jet lag, I think, from from everybody's point of view, I think that Africa is a real plus for that. Yeah, actually, probably our listeners wouldn't think about that. That's why you can travel further afield, have a completely different experience and learn about different cultures and only have a one hour time difference. Yeah. yeah. And that makes a huge difference with little ones. You know, it, it really it really does, doesn't it? You know, I mean, it's such... It makes it for such an easier trip and it makes for such an easier return when you don't have to battle with that, that yeah. jet lag as well. That eight hour difference. Yeah. 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 And I think most people would not worry about going to New York or not worry about going to America so much, but actually the jet lag from there is so much harder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I struggle with jet lag really badly now. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That's old age, right? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say that. <laughs> not, not to your face anyway. oh, okay. <laughs> so then just to finish is there anything else you'd say I guess to someone who's thinking about taking their kids to Africa and there is obviously a lot of Africa to go around you're sitting there thinking I'd love to do this what would be your, your final thing to say to them I say don't put it off I think if you want to do it you can make it happen and there are so many different ways to do it and so many different countries to think about exploring. Yeah, I would just say bucket and then work out the details. But you can just you can plan and you can tick off some of the things that you might be worried about. You can go and get all the injections. My children didn't struggle with the malaria tablets, but you can also choose malaria free places to go. And I think just maybe don't be scared. Don't be scared about it. Choose your country wisely. Think about the right places to go. But any of the destinations we've just mentioned, you know, um, they'd have a great time. So just go for it. Oh, thanks, Karen, for sharing your insights into Africa. It's been really interesting. Definitely. I want to go and book a trip right now. I am going to book a trip right now. (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. See you again soon for the next kid venture. Do 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 do.